Perfect. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Dama Dads. I'm Matt Sweets, and as always, I'm joined by my good Betty, Jake Weens. How we doing, Jake? Yes, sir. I'm doing... I'm here, actually. Uh, this podcast was like a, a struggle to even make happen tonight. I was like, I don't know if we push it. I'm exhausted. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes that point of exhaustion is when the best thing happens. So um, we're going to push through, and we're going to make this... Uh, the most exciting episode yet. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. I'm going to drink coffee. It is 9.22 and I made myself a cup of coffee. So that's how dedicated I am to the Dom and Dad's podcast and all of our aunties and uncles and all of our family members. So shout out to you guys as, as always. Yo, well, the freaking aunties and uncles get a special shout out. This is the second full episode with Patreon included things. Um, next episode, we'll get some Q&As from the aunties and uncles as well. Uh, yes. That's the first thing we're going to roll out with the Patreon stuff. So be on the on the Patreon site and uh, we'll get our questions that way. But um, we got a shout out, Dama Mama Weens, auntie, great, <laughs> awesome auntie of the pod. Um, Thatch Master, of course, Uncle Thatch, uh, Uncle Jacob Askew, thank you so much, my dude, Stefan Fresnock, Uncle Stefan, we appreciate you, Martin, Martin Hayden, you need to go, Uncle Martin, you got to go check out Martin's jam space, he was on my stream today, and he posted a clip in the space he's never played, and it is just like, it's, it's, filming heaven it's photo wow. heaven like the sun that's coming through these blinds and oh. this rug he had with like no tvs nothing else in this room it was like uh it was very dope and Sounds so i perfect. but that's martin dude um auntie stacy uh out here um uh uncle nitto king mm. you know a real one and that's that and to the other family members you know who you are thank you very much for the yes, support yes. um couple weeks in to the patreon stuff and it's really cool just uh having that next level of of support and uh it you know it makes turning on the camera and getting behind here you know uh just that much more you know special and important in our week because it is as much as it is like tough sometimes to do it just like streaming or any other thing it is fun actually because even if me and you just talk about absolute nonsense for an hour it's still like uh it's still an hour that we got to kick it in the week and not uh think about other things which is always my favorite part of it you know yeah exactly that was tonight tonight i'm again i'm tired but i was like you know what i just gotta just wrap it up with sweets and so we're just gonna like chat it up and see what happens and i remember saying like if it's total ass we can just can it but if yeah. it's if something good comes from it it's good it's like regardless like we're gonna hang on have a conversation and like it's really good to have just in general i'm just gonna shout out to all of like the dad friends if, you, if you're a dad out there and you've got other dad friends like that is so special so shout out to all my evanston dad friends uh just it's just been it's been awesome. And shout out to my Minneapolis dad friend, Mr. Sweets himself. No, but just us doing this is that it's a little bit of like dad therapy, I guess you could say. So no, it a hundred percent is, man. And I'm on like a natural high from my last few days, and I'll talk about it and get it out of the way because I know we don't need more disc golf talk on our dad podcast. But the number one drug influencing <laughs> and infiltrating Kendama is disc golf. Uh, Quote. Dude. 
It's a it's a huge part of my life. So I got it's got it's bound to come up. But um, this week the largest competition in Minnesota is being held, and all the pros come in, and so I was able actually to host two of my teammates uh, via the Sweet Mob and stuff, uh, Gavin Babcock and Eagle um, McMahon. So. Uh, in the last couple of days, just playing with them and hanging out and playing a lot of kendama with them, dude. They're still in the world of kendama that is like me and you wish we could be in again, honestly. Like it's where everything is fresh. Like mm. dude's working on triple lunar flip. I mean, okay. Yeah. You 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 worked on that trick for a long time, but like <laughs> it, it, I so I'm not dogging you for that, obviously. <laughs> but Single, double, triple, lunar flip to me yeah. when I started Kendama was like this plateau that I was trying really hard to get to. And I practiced my ass off every single day, you know, to get to that point. And that was in 2014 or something like that, you know, nine years ago in my Kendama career. And so to be just kicking it with these dudes who are actively there and when they get around me and they're at the sweet shop what do you think they want to do they want to film they want to like learn more kendama and because they are kendama players just like boogie and subtronics and all these people we flip them just like you know disc golfers see kendama as something that is almost distracting or whatever to people who are so serious in disc they're like kendama that's not actually helpful blah 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 but these dudes are out here pushing for us every day to be like dude you got to do something else when you're not putting <laughs> like you got to do something else like to keep your mind sharp and to keep your hand eye going and they both are like literal proponents of that in a way that I couldn't ever pay them to be right like they're just net humans who found it and love our company and are down for the cause so yeah. it's the last two days have been super invigorating for me in that way but also playing disc golf you know playing doing anything yeah. with someone who's better than you yeah. as a competitor all it is is it's epic the whole time because you're used to winning or you're used to being on top or something in in your local group of people. So being getting to play with people who are like, oh, you think you're good at your own course and stuff? It's like, <laughs> no, no, no. Watch me. They both threw better than my course record first time playing through the course. Like, and I was like, ah. you know, it was that humbling moment, but it was mm -hmm. also just cool seeing shots thrown that I can't throw, like literally not strong enough, not smart enough, not like honed at the craft enough to do what they're doing and to watch it live is like, like I said, it's invigorating. Like I got to film and do that mm -hmm. for the last two days. And, uh, cause we dropped Gavin's mod, dude, look at this Dama. Yeah, dude, it's freaking wild. Isn't that pretty? It's the, really dope. The Zabrano with the Wenge is. Yes. Oh, it's, it's so nice. But, um, it, it is about seeing is seeing that talent in person is really big. And it, it it's also the trade of expertise. Again, <laughs> I mean, they look. Did they watch you play kendama? And they're like, "Holy shit! Like, sweets is so good." Yeah. Uh, and then you watch them play disc golf, and it's mutual. It's the same. Mm -hmm. So it's always good to have um, that bit of insight of, uh, okay, yeah, everyone starts at a certain level, but like, like I say, the the first step to being good at something is sucking at it. You know. <laughs> And it's it's great to watch someone who's master level at one thing try the thing that you're good at and totally suck at it. First. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, all right, I have a little bit of confidence, like I've got this, and you know that if they keep playing, they'll eventually surpass you. 
because yeah well i mean <laughs> that's the scary part like if they just like give up what they're doing and they just want to just play kendama it's like oh we're toast because yeah eagle's the type of eagle's like a bonds type of person who just like kind of does whatever he picks up and kind of mercs it and it'd been it's been almost a year since i went and filmed the like promo stuff with him and mm -hmm. taught him 10 new tricks and whatever and he was out here like I was like, so what are we working on now? He's like, oh, like inward stilt. And I was like, inward stilt? Like you've done all the other tricks? Like you've gotten to inward stilt already? Oh he's God. like, he's like, yeah, like it's like inward lunar, right? And he pulls up inward lunar and spikes it. And I was like, oh my yeah, God. it's a lot like that trick. Like you could do inward lunars. He's like, yeah, but I like regular better. And like, he's like, he's fully like versed in what we're doing mm -hmm. and watches people. And he's like, dude, double juggles, the new thing that like, that's his new thing. Like he's, oh he's got to juggle the spike, but thing. now he's like, but he's like, dude, I got to get two in a row. And Gavin was working on around stalls and 10 juggles. And it's just like, it, it never ceases to amaze me how Kendama is. It has no boundaries. It does mm -hmm. not care who you are or what you do or how good you think you are at those things. It just like, can take grip and like make you love it. And that's, it's so cool getting to see that all the time. Like I wish other yeah. people could feel the way I do today about Kendama. And as often as I do in a year, because that's what gives me the fire to keep selling them and to keep teaching people and to keep getting new sweet smile members who like do other cool shit because all it's doing is help make Kendama bigger and farther and in places Absolutely. that it shouldn't ever be maybe, you know, but that's the, that's the cool part about our job, man. It's it's my favorite. It's so cool. Dude, 100%. And up to the uh, selling them part, everything you said sounded like you could have replaced Kandama with kids or parenting. And it is it was the same thing. Like, yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was there listening to you and I'm thinking, man, sounds like he's talking about his kids, you know, or <laughs> it sounds like he's talking about parenting. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's funny how those two kind of cross over, especially when. Again, with the idea of Dama dads, like Kendama is our baby too. Kendama is our child as well. And so as brand owners and people that are heavily involved in the industry, the community, the game itself, we bear some responsibility on the direction that it goes. So mm -hmm. yeah, we kind of have that that fatherly love for the game, you know? Yeah. It influences all decisions, right? Like, and it's sometimes a detriment, maybe, I think, mm -hmm. where, yeah, not necessarily to us in the moment, but I think it's something I'm always conscious of where I don't want to get stuck in my ways of thinking, right? Or mm -hmm. stuck in thinking that what I've done is the best or what I've created is the best or there's no other way to do things. Like, that's the hard line that it is to, like, walk where we have a lot of knowledge and it's all based on like things we've literally done and proven throughout the last 13, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And so we have to rely on that, but we also have to listen to new gen people and people who are just starting and people who love to compete and people who don't and build what we think is the best thing. Like Caleb, I haven't listened to the full thing, but Caleb just did a whole like Twitch stream about the future of competitions and like how they've evolved since we started literally from the Ken Garden, from seven to Spike. And now we're, you know, in the place we are with, you know, 10 big competitions and we're live streaming them. And people like 
Alex Smith literally is starting a new competition style this year at Van Jam. That will be a completely new format that a lot of people are stoked to try, man. And I'm excited to see it. But I think like we have to have our minds open to that shit always until someone's going to make a JK in America and say, this is how you're doing it. We're like, we, all we have to do is try new things until everyone's like, that's the spot. Like that's the move. And I think we've gotten to a cool place where we are in competing by doing that. So it's pretty rad. I mean, and I, I think that, uh, as far as, I mean, not to keep it on the competition side, no, but, but even if there is like a, there's a JKA style thing that happens in the U S there's, there should always be that counter. There should always be the obscure contest. Cause again, those Mm -hmm. are, that's what's fun. It's like for Van Jam is coming up and Van Jam was the only one that was full on like sesh and Ken game based, you know? Yep. And so that's kind of what helped that event stand out, you know? And I think that as long as organizers and people are thinking of new ways to make competition fun and not have it just be in that rut and people are thinking outside that box and thinking progressively, it'll keep going. But the second, and to kind of compare it to another game is uh, yo-yo. Yo-yo competitions just kind of repeated and repeated and repeated, and it kind of stayed the same for so long. Then back in uh, 2000, like 12, 13, 14, 15, uh, whenever we were doing, Kendama was big in yo-yo. Yeah. We would go up and do something or we would do some kind of side event. And the yo-yo people were just like, holy shit, this is so exciting because it was just something different. And uh, I would have organizers come up to me and say, yo, we got to get some of this energy. This yo-yo needs this energy. It's like competition is becoming the one thing that the reason why people played. So if we can learn from that and just keep keep switching it up, I think. We've got a few more years in the bank. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you gotta have the Kendama is just such a it's not an either or where like when sports are sports, they are sports because people love competing, and that's the reason they get into mm-hmm. it is to beat someone at it, most likely, right? Like Kendama, I don't think fully lives in that world where mm-hmm. a good half, if not more, of the people who use it is for other reasons than competing. And you could say the same about yo-yo, you know, too. So to just completely forget about those people when running competitions, it seems like a pretty silly thing. But if yo-yo people started having conventions, I feel like they would be huge. Like you go and trade yo-yos and you, you know what I mean? You take workshops, you do all the things. Yeah. I think that there are parts of that, but it was just, I mean, and I'm only speaking from the past. Like I haven't been to a yo-yo event in in a while, but I just remember like just the general energy at the at the yo-yo event was hype because during the finals it's absolutely mind-bending yeah but people were still saying like man kadama's got that energy and there's so many different ways and these events are getting kind of stale because of the contest format and it's just not changing so uh which is good and i'm very thankful that i was able to go and experience that and get that feedback from that community because it's kind of shaped the way i do events 
<laughs> yeah, I believe it. I mean, I ran, I, I was at skill cons a couple of times in Vegas where I, I remember some of the events that you're talking about where we did Kendama stuff and there were more people watching Kendama than the yo-yo stuff. And it was like famous yo-yo people like mm-hmm. bidding for like trips to Russia and stuff and for like the, the competition that year. And people like literally didn't care because there was like three people who could rip on stage and they knew it was going to be one of them and everyone else kind of was just there to kick it and watch them and have fun. And so it, it was, uh, but I also competed in yo-yo events as a kid, bro. Like some of my core memories. Really? Yeah, dude. What? I had no idea. Yeah. So like I was a yo-yo kid in the beginning, uh, shout out my, uh, grandpa Milt. Uh, I wanted to do yo-yo. And so he took me to Roseville mall every week to do Kendama, uh, Kendama club, Jesus Christ. <laughs> To do yo-yo club. Uh, I literally ran Kendama clubs through the same store I did yo-yo club through as a kid. It was a real like full circle life moment when I did that for the first time. But I had a little booklet each week that I had to cross off tricks by one of the people there that was whatever. And I literally used the same thing for my Kendama clubs and Minnesota and stuff. And it was great and people loved it. But um. I got good enough to, I was like, okay, I'm going to compete. Like I'm going to go do the competition. And I was at the mall of America rotunda stage where we also hosted some yes, of the first wow. MKOs. And, uh, it was like this, I was so excited. And my dad took me and he never went to this shit. And I was like, dude, I want this yo-yo. And it was like a $50 yo-yo or something. And he was like, absolutely not. You're <laughs> insane. Like that's like yo-yos are $5. Like you don't get a $55 yo-yo. Um, and so I competed with my $5 yo-yo, but he's like, if you win the whole thing, like I'll get you your yo-yo you want. And I freaking won the whole effing thing. No, uh, that, you did it. As a, in the beginner what? division. Yeah. Mall of America. Oh I was, God. Dude, I didn't I know you know. were a freaking yo-yo God. Eight, nine, 10 years old. I can do all the beginner tricks and I can get to some of the intermediates. And I started playing yo-yo again when it popped up in Kendama. And so I can do some of the like new gen shit and some of the re whatever's like mm-hmm. I can I'm a few steps behind you as far as like new school yo-yo tech um but it was like what drove me for a really long time and the competition and the checking off of tricks and that's what made me want to do it more it's what got mm-hmm. me to the competition it was like this funnel they put me in and and fed me right to the end and but it was my competitive nature mm-hmm that did that to me nothing else i didn't get like joy from yo-yo now that i think about it in a weird way it wasn't like fulfilling me the same way snowboarding or something else did it was like uh i'm just gonna do this to get good at it because i want to win competitions like mm-hmm. that was literally my only goal with it and you know i don't think that's a bad thing because people like me that's just how we're motivated it's not from funsies it's from winning and that's just a different mindset and so me i instinctively push that way when i think about running a competition or when i think about what i want kendama mm-hmm. events to be like and it's why we have freaking 20 divisions at naco you know oh, like yeah. i want everyone who has any inkling of wanting to compete a chance to get on stage no matter who they are how good they are because I was that kid one time who was a beginner who had never been on stage with his yo-yo and wanted to, and I, I will never forget those feelings. And uh, if you forget about those people who are at your events and you just focus on the best and the fastest and the whatever, Mm -hmm. you lose a whole part of your community that will Mm -hmm. be those people someday. And I don't know. So I think 
the sh- the things that have happened to us and the things we've done shape how we run our events and run mm-hmm. our things. And that's cool. It's not good or bad or whatever, because Kendama someday in America will have a league. Like it's just yeah. a matter of time until someone wants that to be their job and they decide that that's their goal instead of making Kendamas or producing yes. a brand that sells them like that's I truly believe it's it's somewhere in the future, but uh, it's it's just uh, we, we need to have enough people someday, but it's not going to be for everyone. There's no way it could be, you know it, what it, I'm it, saying? It doesn't have to be something. And like, yeah, uh, I've I've there was a, a point in my life where I realized that not everything is for you. And uh, it, it came from. There was a certain kendama that I designed and someone got like really upset with me. It was like one person about like, oh, well, it doesn't do like this. I, I think it was a stod mod. Yeah. And and they were like, oh, well, the lunar on this one isn't as good. I'm like, okay, this is designed for stod style of play. Like, have you seen like, yeah. I'm like, this is tap, flip, jug, heaven. He's like, oh, well, the lunar on it. I'm like, not everything is for you. There are countless other kendamas, and I know you mm. want this one, but you <laughs> might have to change your style of play or the way you think about it because that's not catered towards you. Mm. And just kind of just the world in general, just the population needs to know that not everything is made for you. And there's going to be some stuff that you might like the way it looks, but doesn't play the way you like. It's just not for you. And that's okay because, again, there's countless other options out there. But the people it is for, they're gonna go in because it's designed for that style of, of player and that and that thing. So uh, for competitions, the same way. It's yeah. Just, uh, JKA, not so much for me, you know. Uh, or like competitive or just competing in general is not for me. Like I love getting up in freestyle because I like to show off and be on stage and be a showman. But I'm not a. <laughs> I'm not a competitor. I don't like competing. And we're so opposite in that fact that it's awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like you literally said the only thing you like to do on stage or like in a competitive form is freestyle. And I would rather die than get up on stage and have to do freestyle in front of everyone at EKC. Honestly, like it's, it gives me this feeling that I just never want to feel again, you know, but I completed the sixth on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I've exactly. done things in that world that like, I, you know what I'm saying? I've spent yeah. hours and years of my life getting that certification for no reason other than I wanted to be the first or, you know what I'm saying? Just to yeah. have that box checked, but that's why it's cool. And that's why life's cool and why, you know, Kendama's cool. Cause it's something different to every person who picks it up. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, similar to the skating. And I mean, we both come from a skating background. And so it's just a matter of, I mean, you can make it, to quote myself, (laughs) Kendama can be whatever you want it to be. (laughs) And so on and so on. Uh, Jake Weens talks Kendama, YouTube it. Uh, It's a video where I go into some deep stuff about Kendama. Cool little video. Check that one out. Um, But I still feel the same way. And uh, as Kendama evolves and there's spinoffs and everything, it can, brands are going to do whatever they want. Events are going to do whatever they want. And that's just 
what it's going to be. And there's yeah. going to be such a good variety that there's going to be something there for you, you know? Yeah. And, and if you like, if you don't like it, don't go again, you know, yeah. like if you don't like it, don't buy another one. Like, you no, know, you know what? No if one's you forcing you to do anything, yeah. right? Like it's, if you don't like the event and you're pissed at the event, throw your own. Yeah. That, that's honestly the best. Like way. that is like the biggest thing. And, and that's a good thing. If you go to an event and you're like, this event sucks ass take that motivation and go make something that doesn't suck ass because probably you're not the only one there thinking this event sucks. Yeah, probably. It, so it's like people will resonate with whatever you throw as long as you do it. But just being a complainer isn't going to get anywhere. It's not going to get the industry. It's not going to get the community. No. It's not going to get the game anywhere. You're just going to be salty, salty McSaltersons. <laughs> and you're going to go on Facebook and the community and vent. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you got a problem, dude. fix it. Dude, the CKC looked a lot of fun. Looked like a lot of fun. Definitely an event yeah. that looks like it's worth going to California for, you know? I was super impressed with how it was all laid out and led up to it. And mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It looked like a lot of fun. And the people who were there seemed to enjoy themselves. And it was uh, it was really cool. And it's just, again, it that, that sparked my mind when you said, throw your own event. And that's like what Quad did. He just uh -huh. said, okay, I'm going to make a Cali event because there isn't one really that everyone comes to. So I'm going to make one. And you best believe it's on my calendar for next year. Definitely. You know, like it's, it, it looked like a lot of fun. Um, But to switch gears uh, from all that stuff, you mentioned skating. Did you see me skating? I did. Uh, I saw you run up the stairs. Uh, yeah. And you're using the Band-Aid Broscals. What? More than anything that happened when I posted, every skatehead in the whole world and people I don't know were like, how much you want for them? Yep. Do you know what you're wearing? Like, how do you have those? Like, it was all, <laughs> that's all the questions. Dude, I, I had those same skates and I love them. Like those skates were the sickest skates again because they were so different. They were kind of like that leather dude, so dope. And they're in D's condition. Yeah, oh. dude. I also had. The I changed white. the wheels out and stuff, yeah. but I didn't. I didn't grind them a bunch. Yeah, I had the white details too. Those were also that whole era of rollerblade as a brand was so freaking killer. Oh, Ugh. dude, the Santiago as a pros that came out. Uh, anyways. Y'all, the, the Kandama heads are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. No. Uh, it's and, blading. And I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I bladed and I watched stuff, but on, like, a 1% level of what you did. Like, yeah. you were deep in it. Like, by the time I got these, I had just started college. And so I was kind of almost past my gnarly phase of grinding stuff and doing things. I, I rode these to class every day. Like these were get around the terrible. university and it was, I mean, I didn't realize it was terrible until I put the five pound boots on my feet and the <laughs> bearings and the wheels were whack. And so I've changed the wheels and stuff more than anything. Cause I've, I wear them, wore them down. Like they were commuter yeah. rollerblades literally for most of their life. So, but how was your day skating? Oh, uh, dude, it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, so Juicy Joker uh, yeah. has Hobie Doan in town, a BMX rider on the Sweets Mob. And so he's filming a whole Minneapolis part over the summer. And so they were like, yo, let's get together. Let's get together. And finally one day I was like, all right, it's a nice day. Like, what do you guys do? And you want to ride downtown? And they were about dude, it. And so awesome. we go park the car. I strap the blades on and dude, Hobie and Juicy, this is all they do. Like, Ho yeah. Juicy's a filmer and Hobie, BMX rider, that's all he knows. And yeah. so it was cool for one day to not be at my computer or be like doing yes. 
real kendama work let's call it yeah. and and just literally be on the streets of downtown minneapolis on my rollerblades with two dudes who have only one mission of filming some gnarly rails and some mm -hmm. sick gaps and like go do things where cops may get called and like things may you know it was a real like i had a oh, yeah. we're on a fucking mission today you know like i was <laughs> part of the squad who was like keeping an eye out and like whatever you know what i'm saying it was a it was a fun experience, but then to like get the blades on after not, I haven't had them on more than a few times since the girls have been. Cause like, it's not nice rolling around where I live. It's hard yeah. gravel. So it's not like you can just go out my door and have a fun skate, you know? So when I got them on and I was on the nice city streets and we're mm -hmm. on all these nice paths and going through the cars and just like, it felt so freeing, bro. It yes. felt so like, why have I not been doing this every week? Why don't I exactly. not put these blades on and just go somewhere and go, even if it's just the walking path where I run or something, I should just go rollerblade around it a few times because it literally feels so good to just roll around, bro. And it sounds dumb, mm -hmm. but if you did no. it most of your life, it's like, uh, it brings back, like, you feel like a kid, literally, yeah. like just rolling around the city. It's so insane, man. It's there the is, best feeling. There is some theory i'm not sure if there's science behind it but uh why we like to go fast like why we like to move um there is uh this guy older dude probably in his 70s in um i forget which what part of california like but there's the long beach path you know um mm -hmm. and he skates it every single day and just talks about how it makes him feel and uh, the theory is um, the closer you can get to keeping, like the faster you go, though that feeling you, you, you get uh, has to do something with like the rotation of the earth and the, and the closer you can synchronize with the rotation of the earth, <laughs> the better you feel. Uh... And it's just something where it's like, that's why we want to go fast. But then there's like direction and all these things that you can come into play. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just uh, it's it, it is the idea of moving and and moving free. And also the thing with blades is there's no break. That's the one thing, too. Uh, and not having that break puts you in that zone of just. You have to go and you have to stay focused and you have to move. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm not sure if the rotation no. of the earth thing has to do with anything i just thought it was an interesting theory and like when i it heard is. that I, and when, when, it, when i heard that i was like why do we like to go fast why do we like to move without walking and float and all these things but uh, dude so. for me it's like i'm actively thinking about myself as a kid being jealous of me as an adult does that make mm. sense like I am a 36, 35 year old man, but when I get on a fixed gear bike and I ride in the middle of the street, like a car in downtown Minneapolis, yes. I am literally telling my 15 or 14 year old self. Who's like on the sidewalk, like trying not to whatever and bum fuck North branch. Like you will be riding your bike in the middle of the road and cars will be honking and you could get hit, but it is literally mm -hmm. the most exhilarating feeling. And the, when I moved to the city and found out that I was like allowed to do that, I can't like the, what I said is what it's like. I, I literally am telling myself as I'm doing it, like 
15 year old me, you have zero idea how sick this is because we're riding alongside cars and just like, I can't tell you why that is what it is, but there was one other memory I had when you were talking and I don't know how small of a town you came from, but on the 4th of July weekend, those type of weekends, like everyone who was around, like went away, right. They went to uh, cabins or they went Mm -hmm. to wherever. And there would be no cars on the street. So me and my brother would, we would be able to ride rollerblades in the middle of the street or like set up jumps that could go into the street. Cause we wouldn't worry about cars coming or like, you know what I mean? Like on a normal day, but, and I have zero idea why that memory sticks with me, but that's the feeling I get when I put my rollerblades on and go downtown is like, even though there's people around, I just feel this freedom. Like when I was a kid and there was no one on the streets that I could do whatever I want, but as an adult, you could do whatever you want as long as you don't get hit by a car. So yeah. like, it's, it's the same exact vibe. And I didn't, I haven't thought those thoughts or had those feelings since I had put rollerblades on my feet, mm-hmm. which sounds insane. Cause I do a lot of awesome things that remind me of being a kid, but that specific thing yeah. triggers so many memories. It's so crazy. And we, we kind of traded it in, you know? Yeah, we like did. we we definitely traded in that feeling for uh kendama. And <laughs> when I say kendama, I I I think about this quite often. If I never got involved, if I never like let's just say I got started with kendama, uh, I was a pandemic kendama player, right? Yeah. How long would I stick with it at just being a player? I'm like, what is my main attraction to this game? Is it the game itself or is it the or was it the opportunity to have that influence and the opportunity to throw parties and the opportunity to design and make videos? And was it everything that surrounded the game or was it the game itself? And I think about this quite a bit. And it is this balance because, yes, I'm obsessed with the game because I still play it every single day and I still will land tricks and go woohoo, like get stoked. Mm-hmm. But like, I do think that without the opportunity to influence and to create something, I don't know if I would still be doing Kandama. Like if, you know? Dude, you sound like Gabe. Like, I mean, honestly, not in the, not in the truest sense, but Gabe loves Kendama as much as me and you, but in a way that is so detached from how we love it with the amount of play we put into it and the amount of how we found it and why that influenced or how it influenced. Like I influenced Gabe a ton by being who I am and by him trusting me and believing in my dream and kind of getting in a pickle and him having to save my ass, you know, but Mm -hmm. Through that, Gabe found what drives him the most, and that is literally spreading kendama. Like teaching someone a first spike to Gabe is his favorite kendama trick in the world, and there is just no getting around that. He gets a feeling that people get when they land triple tray flips by teaching someone a spike. He, He gets goosebumps more than any human I know when he just talks about ideas he has about kendama things and the potential that we have as a community and as a sport and as a game and as a whatever you want to call it. He just, he has this never ending passion to, to push it outside of the world of just who won the last competition or what trick is this or what new kendama are we making? And, and I feel that too, but not in the same way Gabe does, which makes us good business partners, you know, because Mm -hmm. 
I care a lot about the game and the kendama and its specs and all those minute things that maybe aren't on Gabe's radar or are mm-hmm. his biggest worries in the world when he wakes up and thinks about sweet skin damas, you know, but that's what makes us, you know, that's what makes us all different. And of course. somehow that is like the, I keep, I've said that I think four times now this podcast, but like we're all different, but we're pushing the same way, but in a way that makes us comfortable and makes us use our skills to the best, I think degree possible. Of course, everyone has yeah. to have, it's a team and everyone's got to play your position. You can't have a team full of forwards. Yeah. You got to have That's a goalie. <laughs> and you don't, I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you're you gotta right, have dude. defense. You got to have midfield. You got to have like dudes on the bench waiting to come in fresh in the fourth quarter. It's like, and that's what Kendama as a community is. Yeah. And, uh, and to me, like, whenever I said we, we traded in the, uh, the adrenaline sports for, uh, Kendama, I think about that and I'm like, what convinced me? Like, I mean, I was making skate videos. I was making skate videos for Volo. Like I made a skate video for Volo. Dang. Like, for John Julio. No way. And, and it's like, I was to the point where I was like, yo, like this is going, this is doing good, you know? But like what made me trade that path in for Kendama? And I think it was the adrenaline, the rush of having the opportunity to do all of those external things besides landing a handle stall you know yeah 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 and that is what grabbed me and and like kept me going you know what i'd be so stupid to not say that that's that uh, the same thing happened to me i mean i started sweets kadamas like i didn't just play the game like i got sick of only having what i had to play with to play Mm -hmm. and so i started a company that made other things and through that found passions but i the other thing I remember was like a sponsor, like you wanted to be a sponsored blader. I'm sure I wanted to be a sponsored snowboard rider. Oh, yeah. When I saw Kendama, I saw the initial, like immediately I was like, oh, well, if we get good at this, we could have a team, right? Like that was mm-hmm. my initial thing. So I was like, oh, if I create this con- company, what what was it? Two weeks after I made my first post about a website, Christian Frazier asked to be on my team. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like this it all just came together. And I think you're right that you, we saw all the other things that were possible uh, along the way. And we had the foresight to jump head first into it and know that it may be difficult, but there would be some grandeur on the other side, maybe if we, if we worked through it and you said a word and I don't know if it was purposely or not. And maybe our awesome editor Cody Booth can rewind, but I'm pretty sure you said I don't know what convinced me. Did you do that on purpose? Because <laughs> you, because you, it's convinced, but you said convinced like you it, meant to, but well, you no, didn't. I, you, it convinced me. Like that's just that's just how I say it. It how do you say me. it? Like convinced me to do otherwise. Convinced me, right? Like. I don't know. I, I'm not really hard on the con part. I'm, I you, just say I it, thought you convinced me. Convinced. I, it kind of sounds like convinced me. Con- Literally. That's just how I say it. Yeah. You said it in uh, a way that I thought you were like. Definitely not. Showing me it, that you said this word, but you kept right on talking. <laughs> definitely not uh intentional pun, but that just might be the way that I talk because Gendama is so smashed into my brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. But, uh, 
Yeah, and and to and to kind of almost counter what you were saying about having that foresight to see where it's going. Whenever yeah. I started doing Ken Garden and and the events and whatnot, there was zero foresight into like this can grow to be something massive for me personally. Mm. It was just, yo, this is fun. No one else is doing this. Let's just have some fun. I was so in the now. I was so just, and to me, that is why I think it it was so beautiful is my only goal was get my friends together, have fun with Kendama, document it and show it to everybody in the world because this is dope. Um, and then later, once that traction started, that's where it was like, oh, now I realize this can be something bigger. And then it kind of kept going. But For sure. The, but the uh, the initial, um, like, whenever I started doing the events, that, that initial moment was just out of pure, like, passion and my <laughs> inside drive to be a host and want to cook for everybody and throw parties and give everyone a good time so but yeah and again like after it caught traction that's when we i kind of caught up to you where you were like i see where this can go and if this can be something big then that's when i kind of realized it could be something my mind is blown like our our stories are so similar now, but we did not start from the same seed. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Our our reason for starting and what motivated us and how we got to where we are are very, very, very different because I was fully motivated by sales because I had to get a real job and the time was clicking if I didn't start selling kendamas. Like mm -hmm. that was literally my only motivation aside from loving the game and wanting to spread it to people because there was literally no one else selling them. I, I wanted to not have to get a real job. I wanted yeah. to not have to go and like, I'd never made a resume, bro. I went to college for five years and graduated and Same. never made a resume because I started sweets soon enough to a point where I didn't have to ever do that. And like, I'm thankful and grateful and like, but that was a goal I had set on myself very severely along with my parents where it was like, there was no other motivation. Like financial gain in the beginning was the only reason to think that I had some idea that was worth working. It was the only thing that was going to get me another investment from Gabe or another investment from my in-laws or another investment from anyone is if the sales were there. So I loved Kendama, but in the beginning, it was more, how can I sell more faster? And I'd be lying if I said that wasn't a motivation of Sweets Kendamas the whole time. You know what I mean? Like for most of my, our career, we were chasing Kendama USA, man. Even mm -hmm. though we started selling them in a time when Kendama USA wasn't, like once they caught up, like it didn't take them very long to catch up because I was painting everything myself in a barn. Like they were yeah. fully mass produced in China before I could ever think about doing that stuff you know so all i ever did was like chase them and in order to do that it was it was uh, you had to just have sales and i went to toy fairs so much sooner than i ever had money to do toy fairs bro it's so <laughs> it's so crazy just and, and it was just to keep up with jero and what kusa was doing and maybe it helped in a way but it was like uh it, it, of it course just, it I, helped, dude. You're talking about how competitive you are. If yeah, Kendama USA wasn't yeah, there right. for you to have that that 
that goal and that bar like yeah don't know where you would if, if you didn't have something to chase like where 100 right now yeah you're you know? totally so, right so everything yeah. keeps coming back tied back to the same thing bro my competitive nature drives yeah. all things but my it, lack it, of competitive nature is what how i just stumbled upon this shit dude. but also uh yeah it's just it, again it, it comes back to like we have totally different paths but we ended up in a similar place like obviously there's different levels of of where we are in our brands yeah but uh but just the idea that we're both totally fully <laughs> condominal we both have two kids and uh we both have families and now we have a freaking podcast together and we just talk about how absurd all of this is and how, <laughs> and so yeah, there, there's there's no <sighs> There's no direct path to get anywhere. There's, you got to make your own path, find your own way. And as long as you either trust the process or form that freaking process yourself, um, you'll get where you got to go. As long as that passion's there. If that passion's not there, there's no way in hell you're going to get to where, where you got to be because. That's the key. Uh, and when people say chase your dreams, that's all they, they mean it but it doesn't come easy. Like it comes with a lot of sacrifice and a lot of work, but all like, it's so, so, so cliche, bro. But we literally chased our dreams. And that's literally where we are and how we got here is by just doing things and setting out to do things that had never been done before that we thought maybe could work, you know? And it's super hard to take that step and to do it. But it, 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 I feel so stupid because like I watch America's Got Talent. Here's a fun fact of my life. I like to watch America's Got Talent and I cry at half of the people who go on stage because I am so stoked that they get to show the world their thing that they're awesome at or they're good at. Or even if they suck, I have, I'm just ever since I had kids, I'm super emotional and cry easy. But America's Got Talent does it every single time almost, dude. But seeing uh, seeing the Oh no, I forget. I forget why I fucking brought up America's Got Talent. What was I talking about before that? We were talking about, I don't know, now all I'm thinking about is America's Got Talent. <laughs> I was no, I know. I, I don't know why I brought it up. I brought it up because it was uh we, like we were talking about passion. We were talking about how if you don't have passion for what you're doing, you're not even if it's like in your mind, it's set up as a goal. If you're not passionate about it, you're not going to get to where you want to be you might become the ceo of the company that oh. you had the goal for but if you're not passionate for it, you ain't gonna be happy so yeah, you yeah, might yeah. have that, that 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 position but unless you're happy i don't know well dude it's so the people always on the show they always say it was my dream to be on the show mm -hmm. right like literally that's their thing and it, they say it was my dream and i worked hard and i got here and it's 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 like they script it, but it's the only part of that show that isn't scripted. Like mm -hmm. those people all literally worked so hard because they saw someone on the show that inspired them to learn the ukulele or start dancing or whatever it is. And when it's real, I can tell, I think. And that's why I cry because people are they're me they're That's their kendama on stage with whatever it is they do. And when they blow it out of the park, I have like no choice but to be like, yeah. oh, my God, I'm so proud of you. It's you're living your life. It's so good. You're Because yes. it's usually kids or people mm -hmm. who are like, you know, they. Yeah, it's it's, it's people that are amazing. fighting against the odds. It's like we all if, are, bro. So if, when anyone makes it, it's 
it's yeah epic. because it and it's always that backstory of like yo i'm, mm, I'm here yeah. and it's that storytelling aspect and then you see this and it's also that the hidden gem of small town girl that's been singing in her house and just now they get me they know how exactly to write to me that they they get out there and they're like this is my chance this is my one time to break it and then they bring the house down and yeah then that's when uh that's when the emotions hit it's a little bit of backstory (laughs) and i'm not trying to compare us to (laughs) you know people who've had huge tragedies and are famous singers but like we could be on those shows with a story that said we had did our dream and here's what we do. And like, it's just, uh, it's cool. It's cool to look cool. back on and just think how, you know, I never think about how me, as much as we talk about our past and how we got to where we are, I, I, I always just equate us to each other pretty evenly always, but mm-hmm. our first what five years of our Kandama lives were not the same, even close for, mm. for a decent while, you know, until grain theory became your main job, you know? So I think it's, it's cool to talk about that. It's cool to just try to think about how different that is or what, you know, I, I never had thought about it that, you know, you your only goal for the first five years was to throw epic events and to throw yeah. parties and to get people together and to like, like I was one of those people you influenced, right? Mm-hmm. So like, y- you know, you're re- the reason I threw my first NACO, you know, but I didn't do it till 2014 because I didn't want to do it shitty. I wanted to like have a brand that meant something that could do it in a real way. And mm-hmm. I I took my time to do that, but it was all with you in my head as like, a, all right, Jake did it this way. How can I make it cooler and better? Not cooler because I could never do that. But how can I add on top of it? How can I make it bigger or, you know, in the way that I do, how I think about things? And that's why NACO isn't in person this year because I can't think of doing it half-assed or like quarter-assed. I only want to throw a huge event where everyone has the best time and Mm -hmm. that requires a lot of practice or a lot of of time and effort. And I just had kind of a, a realization with something you said, Mike, whenever you mm-hmm. said, Oh, how do I do it better than Jake or whatever? Yeah. I don't competitiveness. Isn't always personal. You know what I'm saying? And 100%. I feel like a lot of people would think that, cause I didn't take any offense. I'm not, I'm not thinking you're like, all right, how do I make this better than Jake's? Cause I want it to be better than Jake's because blah 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 that's why i reworded it a little right because it exactly uh, but but i didn't i didn't take any offense at or nor see it as that yeah but competitiveness isn't like i said isn't always personal as in like you're trying to make a better event than i did it's you're just trying to make a better event and what i'm doing uh you're going to take the the parts you liked from that and you're going to build upon them and it's not to make a better event so you destroy mine. And I think exactly. that's where that's where competitiveness and community need to come together. So whenever you're at an event or even at like a, I don't know, let's take let's take it down to the core of like a freestyle battle, you know? Yeah. It's like you've got two players up there and they're both going in, you know? Um You'll see this a lot. You'll see players get stoked on the other players' runs. Mm-hmm. And so they're not out there trying to beat them to put them down. 
they're out there trying to play the best they can and play better than them. But there's a part of this where they're not even battling that player. They're battling the event and the contest. Yes. Like I'm not out here trying to kick your ass. I'm out here trying to win this event and you're just happen to be the thing that's in my way. And so Oh man, there's so much going in my head right now. This is like, I'm like having a big realization about competitiveness and how, what you're really fighting against. Like, what are you really competing against? And it's not always that person with a name in front of you. They're just, they're a part of it. And so if you get beaten in a kind of it's like, don't take it personal. Or if someone throws a better event than you, it's not a personal dig or like at, at, at you um so wow hold on i'm just i'm like un- unpacking stuff in my head about competitive nature now no nah, i like it so i mean it's how we get it's how we get better tricks it's mm-hmm. how we get better clears it's how we get better shapes it, it, we could we could denote it to any one thing in our thing you don't think sulab is pushing me to try to make cushion clear better you don't think people making these shapes that are slapping epic tricks making me want to make better damas like it, it's competitive in a way that isn't it's the competitive a hundred percent the wrong word it's almost inspiration it's almost like uh um, it's evolution man it's yeah it's, yeah it's, our game is so young it has so far to go and we all see it so it's like what can we do to push it further but it's always an inner turmoil just like golf just like disc golf i was gonna get my butt kicked by those dudes regardless this weekend mm-hmm. but i still went in trying to win and at the end of the day i was only competing against myself and the score that i have best on that course because i'm not beating these fools but it didn't mean that we weren't competitive competing and having fun still doing it there's a million ways you could look at it but it's it's crazy how a lot of the things we talked about today that weren't intended to be talked about kind of correlated and wrapped right inside of one another with like how we're pushed to be better people and be better business owners and dads and okay podcast is coming to an end we're going to talk about some dad stuff i got a question for you um how have you have you ever traveled in a plane with your kids yes Okay. Kid, not both. Okay. Well, you can help me a little. Let me get out my notepad. Okay. I need some help because I leave for Portland in five days and I will be there for over a week. And I've never been in an airport with children and I have to get car seats and all these things. So I'm wondering, can you give me like a Mm -hmm. list of some helpful tips to survive the airport as a parent for the first time so i first of all we flew with isla when she was very very young um so this doesn't apply to you yeah but parents out there flying with young children that are still like on a bottle it's bottle on the way up and bottle on the way down so when you're Mm -hmm. taking off like just give them a bottle because babies can't pop their ears Oh man, yeah. why did I do that? <laughs> oh man. Uh, How do so, I get milk through security? Well, you just buy it and when you're in a store, you get What if she has special milk? Uh It doesn't matter if it's milk. They just have to drink something from a bottle. The the the, the liquid okay. itself Too specific of a question for yeah, me personally. But yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> the liquid itself is irrelevant, but if you suck on something, it pops your ears. Oh, so, got and you. A lot of okay, times, okay. 
that's why kids are screaming on airplanes is because their ears are popping and hurting. And so I'm if you give them a bottle on the way up, their ears are popped. They'll be fine. Bottle the way down. And we did it with Isla. It worked first try. It was amazing. Um, the other, so that's for parent tips of young kids still in bottles. Yeah. Um, car seats. You do have to travel with car seats. That is a thing, unless there's a car seat waiting for you there. there the cool a- thing about car seats is car seats are free to check. You can check nice. your car seat for free. So what you do is you actually get a car, you get a car seat bag, right? So it goes in there and you stuff that shit with whatever you got to put in there because whatever's in that bag is a free check bag. So car seat bag, you bought that, that came with it, that yeah, got so like, the airport. Like, like, like you can get a car seat bag and a lot of them will have backpack straps. So like, like you can a carry Target the ba- can get this? Yeah, or just, so there's this guy that can help you out. His name's Google. Just hit him up, <laughs> ask him where to get a car seat pad. Um, uh, but yeah, you can put stuff in the car, like just stuff it in the car seat, seat and then put them in the bag. And so you've got that stuff checked. It's out of your normal bag and car Sick. seats are free. Um, Sick. Uh, Hack. And then a, I guess. Snacks for, are a given. Yeah, snacks are a given. Mm-hmm. And then just. I guess look up stuff that's in the airport. That's kind of cool. If you know the airport, but you're going mm-hmm. to like show them things. Uh, I don't know. It's been a long time. Like, wow. Yeah. I flew with Ilo whenever Owen wasn't even here. Um, actually mama weens would be the person to ask about this. She has flown with Isla a bunch of times. She's one of the most, she's my dad was a pilot whenever he was still working. Yeah. And uh, so she has flown more than anyone else I know besides my dad who was a freaking pilot. Yeah. So yeah. uh and she's just casually, oh yeah, we'll take island. We'll just casually take island. We'll go here to do that. Sheesh. Like a boss. And she's down to even do both kids. And I'm like, oh my God, you're a seasoned vet. Um yeah, so actually crazy. this might be a Nini question. And I might uh for our uh aunties and uncles, we might do a exclusive Nini interview on top tips for traveling with kids wow dude that'd be epic man yeah Um, i figured i'd ask like i think so after after i get back from my trip i will have some tips for you for the next time you take your your kids who are like about the same age you know i'm not worried but like i don't know emma is just she likes to be afraid of things i'm gonna be real she just random things for no reason just like scare her and she fully Mm -hmm. like screams like the bejesus so i'm just i'm not worried but like we have ipads we have all the things that could distract them but when we're taking off if there's turbulence i'm afraid about the fear factor of being on a plane but hopefully it's a unelicited fear because it's fun we're on a plane right flying in the air it should be fun and happy and chill and melatonin gummies oh fuck yes god Thank you. How is that not on my radar? None of gummies in the middle of the day. Yes, dude. Okay, so um, now I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast ever, just to be clear, so everyone knows what I'm saying. Melatonin is something adults take to go to sleep. Kids also can take melatonin at a certain age in a very small dosage to help they, them they get to kids. sleep. 
Yeah, you make kids melatonin gummies. It 100%. is hundred percent thing. It's like our kid, our parents give us Benadryl and shit that's not meant for kids. So like this stuff is fully like, like a hundred percent. But I never even like, giving them a nutty gummy. Ah, but I don't know if I want them to be out. Maybe if the way there is tough, then it's like okay, we got nutty nutty gummies on reserve. Because I want her to be awake and looking out the window and shit. Right? If it's like middle of the day type stuff, mm-hmm. and we're flying into Portland and see all these mountains, it's like. Emma, check these out. And she's like, <laughs> just yeah. fully zombies, you know? But it is an option in case they're stressed. and Yeah, man, if it's not help. such an easy flight the first time. But yeah, so the yeah. the the car seat bag is my number one tip. Yeah, Everything honestly. Else, af- after that, again, it was so long ago. Yeah. But that's the one hack that a parent told me. And I was like, you're joking. Nice. So we, we stuffed that thing with just clothes and anything that wouldn't fit in our bag um and they didn't blink an eye they just said okay yeah, car, seat, car seat bag. It. <laughs> car seat bag yeah get them um, but all right cool um i got a couple dad jokes for you can i throw them your way send it <clears throat> what do sprinters eat before they race I the uh, frosted flakes. Nothing. They fast. Oh god. <laughs> They're already fast, doggy. They don't gotta eat nothing. Um, all right. Uh, they, they, so I tried to pull out some good ones, but there's just so many horrible ones, it's not even funny, dude. What uh what does corn say when it gets a compliment? Are you ready? <laughs> you were close. You had the first one ready. Oh, shucks. Sorry. There was a corn, the band reference. You didn't catch no, that. No, is that that? That's their, they're the ones who uh, sing that song. I know that song. Wow. It just, went, it, just went, song. it just went so right over your head. Oh, man. You Which, by the way, every now and then with me. Shout out Corn. They finally got their Adidas deal. Corn. Yeah, Adidas I saw that for the after 30 years of a so I, I just didn't like them enough to be able to distinguish them from nine inch nails or any other band that looks like them from that era. Oh my god, they're, they're all the not, same to they me. They look I'm gonna forget you said that <laughs> nine inch nails and corn look the same because wow. Okay. All right, we should put a side by side of those two. Oh, okay. Oh, I also I also pulled up some other fun things. What do you know what how long we've been podcasting today? I don't have my timer up like I usually do. Oh, like wonder. just today, not like in total. Well, we we started shortly after 9ish, right? Oh, yeah, something like that. Sure. What a lie what do, what a liars. It's same difference. What a lawyers wear to court. Uh, um, uh, they wear lawsuits. Oh, lawsuits! I was gonna say, uh, rage acquit T-shirts. Acquit. Ah, the glove doesn't fit. You must acquit. <laughs> okay, uh, OJ reference. Wow, I got my, that one. I am. Just hey, I got your I... OJ reference. What do you mean? I, I was right there with you. <laughs> okay. So the, here's, the, here's another thing I pulled up real quick, just because I don't want to waste these awesome tidbits that I pulled. And we can 
cut any of this for special Patreon usage if we need to, Cody Booth. Yeah. Um, uh, Jake Weens, how much do you really know about grilling? Uh, do you know your grilling history, or are you just a guy who loves to smoke meats? A little bit of both. <laughs> All right, here we go. I don't, I don't know if I know too much about grilling history. I do no. have, okay, about, anyways, go go ahead, go ahead. It's much more intense than I expected, but we're going to send it and learn a little bit about grilling here at the end of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Is it about how humans discovered cooked meat? I think that's up in here somewhere. So just no. uh, hold your horses. When did the world first meet the charcoal briquette? Was it 1855, 1897, 1923? Oh, so a, a, a shy 24 years it took him to just take over that fool. And Kingsford yeah. is still sold as the biggest brand of charcoal yeah. briquettes yeah. today. I don't use briquettes. I'm more of a lump charcoal guy. So no. Yeah, I know, dude. I, oh, you, you put me onto it. Sorry, I like the out. smell of it so sorry, much better. Pinky out. Yeah, lump charcoal. Get on it. It smells longer, so much burns better. better. It smells better. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to use lighter. You don't use lighter fluid to light it up. So It's beautiful. What event launched America's barbecue craze? Was it the Great Depression? The rise of skyscrapers? Victory in World War II or the moon landing? The Depression, skyscrapers, World War II, or the moon landing? What do you think? I'm going to say the Depression. I'm going to say the Depression because my logic is People needed to come together. You needed to make a lot of food for a lot of people. And uh, people would just start cooking. And that's when. But I'm wrong. Yeah, right? you're wrong. This is a hard <laughs> this is a hard quiz if you don't know the answer, because I think you could talk yourself into just about any of them. Yeah. Maybe not the moon landing. Like I don't know why that would make barbecuing awesome. But um, the it was already of, awesome before that. Yeah, it was the victory in World War Two. Uh, they mm -hmm. said the expansions of suburbs in the post-war boom mm. years fueled the rise of backyard cookouts. Oh. So it was the same vibe you had, but it was forced on by a different reason because America ca Americans came together because we had just won the World War. I gotcha. In the late 1940s, most cookouts featured open grills. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing else is cool about that. Okay, uh, true or false? The first modern grill was a Weber. You know what it looks like? You take the top off, yeah. it's got the briquettes underneath. Classic. What do you think? The first modern grill? Yep. I'll say it, true. It is true. Yeah. Unlike Henry Ford, Stefan had a passion for barbecue and made the grill obsolete when he invented the closed kettle grill in 1952. Wow. Back then when it's called the Weber Metalworks, blah, blah, blah. Killing it, Weber. He's the man. Still, still a classic. True or false? The gas grill was invented to make grilling easier. Mm. Uh, oh man, that one's tough. Cause it's not. I'll say yes. True. False. False. 
False. It was not invented to make grilling easier. Gas grills were and still are more expensive to buy, but easier to use. But that wasn't important to the duo who invented them in the 1960s. Arkansas Lewis Gas Company and William G. Wepfer and Milton Lancaster developed the propane grill as a way to get more people to buy more gas. It worked. Propane, Bobby. (laughs) God, hey, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, gas yeah. grills now account for 64% of the grills, dude. So they, it was it was big gas. Big gas was just Man. trying to get in our wallets and they effing got us. I buy two propane tanks at the beginning of every summer because I go through them both by the end. So I am part of the statistics that make up those numbers. Get on that charcoal, baby. Time is the real reason for me because oh my I, don't, God. I don't plan ahead enough. And everyone's at my crib and I just got to go... And then I'm cooking hot dogs in two minutes. So I, it's really I, the only I challenge you to a of of race to see who can get their grill up to a certain temp. Like we'll do a temp race. So like we'll say uh, 400. Right. Yeah. So who yeah. can get their grill up to 400 first? Love charcoal or gas? There's. Are you serious? There's zero, like, I'm going to start my grill is off. You're going to start with coal that is, you've done nothing to it in a bag. And we'll say go. And I have to turn the propane thing. And then I have to go. I'm going to be to 400 in less than five minutes. You won't even have your bag open and in your grill by then. Dude, come at me, man. (laughs) I can't wait. It's going to be our first live stream as a podcast because I will 1 million percent bet any amount of anything you want on that bet for sure i don't know i haven't operated a gas grill since i grew up and became a man so uh i don't know how long it actually takes but all i know is that like man if you if i have been able to get my shit raging so fast like i've gone inside and been like oh we're already up to like i need to cool this thing off that i believe uh yeah yours can get hotter than mine for sure the first thing I bought for my house was a grill. I yeah. had Camp Kendama the weekend that I bought my house, and I bought that the second I got there so that I could host a grill out for everybody. And I still have it. I use it, so it's helpful. But it's, it's an integrity thing. Yeah, I'm just curious because, I mean, I, I I realistically have nothing against any kind of gas grill yeah, of or whatever you want to do. If you're cooking outside, that is the goal. But uh, it would be fun to do this little battle because I like I, to see it. I, dude, just set your camera up. I'll we'll trade we'll trade vids. You take an iPhone video and I will too, and we'll send him to Booth, and he'll clip it up for a special Patreon video of yeah. whose grill gets to four hundred the fastest with the Domadads. Yep. Let's go! And dude, it see- starts from the second I light my charcoal and you turn your first button. Yep. A hundred percent. I'm down. I'm super down. All right, let's do it. I'm so glad I pulled this up. This is the smartest thing I did in my whole life. <laughs> what did I text you right. today? It was a, I don't know, man, I'm pretty brain dead. I don't know if I'll be able to talk about anything. Do you have any solid topics? Cause then that'll get me going. Then you start talking about grilling and oh man, I'm wide awake. That's literally what I was thinking about when I was just sitting there, <laughs> like laying in my bed for a second after we had talked. I was like, man, what would be a fun thing to talk about today that isn't Kendama or kids? And I, I had a few other things up that didn't work. Oh, but then Fourth grilling. of July is coming up. 
Dude, it's it couldn't be better. It couldn't have worked Fourth out. Of July is coming up. One of the greatest barbecuing days of the year. It's oh. it's going to be the best. I'm going to be celebrate. I'll be on a plane for half of the day traveling on Fourth of July. Are you going to barbecue bet. on the plane? You best believe your ass. I'm going to bring <laughs> you my a little gas baby grill. <laughs> I got my little propane tank. We're going to be ready to go, dude. Oh, my God. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> oh, no. dude. No, I think we just never, if if we're having any second doubts about podcasting on a night, let's just not text each other. Because through text, it's like, yeah, I'm chilling. Yeah, I'm chilling, too. Like, we'll do it another time. But the second we start talking. Yeah. It's like we now we have to worry about it being too long because know, that's right? how it always goes. Um, yeah. Okay, a couple more things for me, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, the term barbecue comes from a culture indigenous to Africa, China, Spain, or the Americas. What do you think? Where did the term barbecue originate from? Give, uh, give me the list again. Yeah, um, Africa, China, Spain, or the Americas. I want to say, I want to say Spain. I don't know why. Yeah, that's okay. The Americas is the answer. The Americas, okay. The Indians of the island of Hispanola use the word barbacoa to describe the process of cooking strips of meat over grated, made from wood. The Spanish co-opted the word, which then co-opted English, who changed it to barbecue. So that's probably why I thought. Spain. Yeah, 100%. You were on the right track, 100%. All right. There's a few more of these, but I'm going to I'm going to do two more. <clears throat> Which slang term for luxurious living comes from the world of barbecue? Living large, upper crust, high on the hog, lap of luxury. Upper crust for sure. It's high on the hog. High on the hog. <laughs> Which See, no one ever says ever. What a upper cr- who says, oh man, upper crust. No. I'm just thinking about like for me, like if you do a like pork shoulder or a brisket, man, that crust. And it's Ooh, not see you're that literal. is that is like what that's when it's freaking good. You're like, okay, you nailed it. Cause that crust yeah. is like you protect it with your life the whole nine hours you're smoking something so but you're if you're eating something that's that dank you are living large if you ask me you're living in the lap of luxury you are not high on the hog that sounds like you took some bad drugs i think high on the hog might might uh high on the hog probably refers to the tenderloin i have the answer would you like to know yeah it is the winner Although it's not certain when exactly the term came, high on the hog is both a metaphor and a literal fa- a literal phrase. It indicates the preferred cuts of the meat from the top part of the pig, the shoulder mm-hmm. and upper leg. Those were reserved for the wealthy elite. The peasantry, a lower cuts down on the hog, such as trotters and pork belly, which is dank. I know. Way. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Dude, and that just goes, oh man. Yeah, sorry. We can go into food theory. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Time, but uh, okay. we're not going to. The rest uh, of these are just literally about meat and less about grilling. So we'll end our grill high on talk the hog. There. High on the hog. I'm going to say that. I'm going to start using that. Yeah. That's exactly what you need to say. If- and then I'm going to have a barbecue called High on the Hog and get it sponsored by a dispensary. And we're going to cook pork bellies. And dude, did you just have the best idea ever? <laughs> I think you did. 
Highonthehog.com. Let's go buy it right now. Right it's, now. It's not, it's not available, y'all. We already bought it, so don't even try. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. All right, Jake, man. Well, hey, it's been another fun time uh, talking with you, chatting on this wonderful day. I am going to be traveling with my family, so uh, we are pending a, a podcast from Portland because I am bringing all my equipment to do so. So um, we may make it happen, but if not, y'all, uh, we'll, I'll be back soon. We'll be back at it. And um, until then, enjoy summer, man. Enjoy Fourth of July. Go outside and enjoy the nice warm weather before horrible winter creeps up on us again. Have fun grilling, have fun chilling, be safe with your fireworks, and uh, subscribe to our Patreon. Dama Dads out. Thank you guys. Later. Peace.